Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to Special Teams, a production of iHeartRadio. Greetings and welcome inside Special Teams with Jason Smith and Mike Harmon. Every week, we look back at a specific year in sports and some of the special teams that made up that year. We're kind of on a weather run right now. We had the Freezer Bowl uh, that we talked about previously on the podcast, the coldest game in National Football League history, the 1981 AFC Championship game between the Chargers and the Cincinnati Bengals, won by the Bengals. Uh, today, well, we're going to do the Mud Bowl. One of the games that is so incredibly very near and dear to my heart, uh, the very famous 1982 AFC championship game between the Dolphins and the Jets, won by the Dolphins 14-0 on a field filled with mud. It was ugly. It was brutal. I mean, it was fun to run around and slide in if you were seven years old, uh, but... The Dolphins go to the Super Bowl, winning this game, a field that is absolutely filled with mud. And, you know, I'm going to try to not go crazy during a lot of this because, boy, this game is almost 40 years old and I can still remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah, but this is a game that would have been, you know, probably one of your first real sports memories for one of your teams, right? Uh, As young Jason Smith getting after it, watching himself some playoff football, you know, thinking, hey, my team's got a legit shot here. Uh, Richard Todd's going to lead my team to greatness. And and to watch the quagmire uh, that the field became uh, absolutely amazing. But, I mean, we all have those pieces of nostalgia. And look, it doesn't mean that it's, the result was always good, right? <laughs> I mean, one of my favorite teams of all time growing up in Chicago is the 83 White Sox. Winning ugly was the mantra. And then they went out and got absolutely worked by the Baltimore Orioles and in the playoffs, you know, and, and that's just the way it goes. So, you know, but the old, you won't take away Greg Luzinski hitting the ball on the roof, Carlton Fisk being the human uh, rain delay. And that starting rotation with Bannister and Brick Burns and Richard Dotson. Uh, you had Dewey Lamar Hoyt as your Cy Young winner. And, of course, Rookie of the Year, Ron Kittle. Okay, I mean, should we just do the 83 White Sox at some point so you can get it all out? I mean, really? Can we just do the 83 White Sox? And well, you'll get well, I just thought, I just thought just I'd, I'd try to relate to the people <laughs> that, you know what, nostalgia and that moment of awe doesn't always have to be, you know, the greatest ending. You know, a loss can somehow still have its effect on you. Yeah, well, well obviously you'll find out over the next half hour plus here. Uh, <laughs> so this was the NFL playoffs during the strike year. If you remember, we, we talked about the 82 strike in a previous podcast. Uh, teams were seeded one through eight in each conference. Miami was the number two seed. The Jets were the number six seed. Miami wins to get to the AFC championship game. They host the Jets who beat the Bengals and the 
the Raiders to get here. Now, getting here, if you remember, if you listen to a previous special teams podcast, Don Shula, head coach of the Miami Dolphins, was so incensed the Patriots allowed the snowplow on the field uh, to beat them 3 nothing in a game earlier. Remember, he was so upset. Oh, I can't believe they allowed it on. He actually talked to the NFL about disallowing the victory uh, to the Patriots. So it was cheating. It was cheating. And Don Shula was always on the up and up, always on the up and up. Well, there were torrential rains this week in Miami. And here's the deal. The Jets had a high-flying, well-balanced offense, right? They, they had the leading rusher in the NFL in Freeman McNeil. They had wide receiver Wesley Walker, who was a pro bowler. Richard Todd was ranked third in the AFC in passing. They played well in the playoffs. They still had most of the sack exchange on defense. I mean, this, I remember thinking, we're going to the Super Bowl. We are loaded. Everything is good. The offense is good. Richard Todd is when I still liked him because obviously after this game, I didn't, but they, they were loaded. This was it for the Jets and the Jets were built on offense and the Dolphins were built on defense and running the football. I mean, Bob Baumhauer was Pro Bowl defensive tackle. This was the killer bees defense that the, that the, the Dolphins had with uh, Glenn and Lyle Blackwood and Baumhauer and Miami leading the NFL in fewest yards allowed, fewest passing yards allowed. Believe it or not, in nine games in the regular season, Miami allowed 1,027 passing yards. In nine games, they allowed just over a thousand yards passing. That is some kind of defense. They were so good across the board. Their offense was run heavy. Andre Franklin and Tony Nathan at running back. David Woodley was just okay, but he was a mobile quarterback. Uh, their passing attack was dead last and their rushing attack was third. So what's the best way to win this game? Boy, if only the field could be really muddy. So. No coverage of the field happened. The field was not covered with a tarp, which is against NFL rules. And the Jets and, and many NFL uh, people go down and saying, well, uh, Miami Dolphins didn't cover the field. They're supposed to cover the field because it needs to be in good playing condition. Well, how do you slow down an offense? You make the field really wet and full of mud. This tells me the Dolphins knew they weren't going to be able to beat the Jets straight up. So let's have the field be all muddy. And this was the great equalizer. If our offense stinks throwing the football, football, guess what? Your offense is going to sting throwing the football too. So if we don't cover the field and it rains for five days, hey, good luck trying to move the football up and down the field. See, I'm already worked up, Mike. I'm already worked up on this. Again, this is 38 years ago. I'm already worked up about it. Yeah, but as you and I have talked about so many years on our Fox Sports radio show, you, you can't fault a good strategy. So if you, this was going to be the great equalizer, Mother Nature came on your side to uh, say, hey, you know, let's vanquish the Jets. Sorry. Uh, you know what? That's just the way it's going to go. I, I mean, to your point, that, that thousand yards, you know, passing yardage against is really just patently absurd. Now, part of it is you go back and, and look at the the NFL during during that period, it was still three yards in a cloud of dust for many teams, but that, that is just impressive overall. I mean, just going back and, and looking at some of the data and fortunately through the power of the interwebs, there's still some videotape that you can find here through the, uh, well, clipped off stuff from NFL films. Thanks guys. <laughs> but the, <laughs> giving us a little bit of a look see into how these teams stacked up. Now, the funny thing is, this mud bowl was not what you would think it is if you didn't see the game. You would look and see highlights of this and go, 
The field really doesn't look that muddy. The players don't really look that muddy. In fact, the outside parts of the field look okay. Even the inside parts of the field don't look that muddy. But the issue was you can run straight ahead. And when you try to do that, you can do okay. But can you cut back when the field is as muddy as it is? You couldn't do it in the middle of the field. And certainly we've seen other mud games where players' jerseys, you can't even tell who they are. This was about the heavy rain. This is about the slickness of the field and Really, we did not see a lot of teams being able to hold on to the football. We didn't see a lot of offense. We saw one incredibly great play that, unfortunately, I will see in my head every day the rest of my life. But really, the surprising thing to me is that when you look at the field, you say, Ah, it really doesn't look that bad. You expect it to look a lot worse, but still, the teams, they, they, they just couldn't stay upright. They couldn't hold on to the football. They couldn't make plays outside. And that's one thing I was always hoping is that, well, eventually they're going to run, run a play outside, right? And someone's going to do something. But no, everything was still in the middle of the field and the team, neither team could move the ball up and down and be able to do anything more than do anything straight ahead, whether it was a run play or a pass. Yeah. I mean, you, you talk about the, the play you've alluded to several times. I mean, yeah. well, the, the footing certainly had something to do with how that worked, too. I mean, the the overhead looks like, all right, uh, the an unnatural green, no question about that on the, uh, the grass, but you got the patches, right? You can see it's not that it's necessarily giant puddles, but it's just enough as guys try to make their their cuts it's it's just not working and trying to get to the edge was going to be a no-go you watch the receivers in some of the clips as you go back just tiptoeing through their route knowing that their legs are going to slide out from under them not exactly a way to run a high high octane passing (laughs) offense for richard todd and company and you know one funny thing about this before you get to the game is is like i talk about you know this staying with me for years it was like in 2008 2009 something like that don shula did an interview in in new york uh radio for something i forget why he did it and the person the interview with i think was marty lyons who was a former jet defensive lineman who played in this game. And one of the things he did, of course, was bring up the mud bowl in Don Shula. And Don Shula is like, it was 30 years ago. Let it go. Let it go. He started <laughs> laughing, just saying, let it go. It's like, no, no, the losses stay with you. The games like this stay with you. Yeah, no. And obviously, if you're the coach, uh, you know, you got away with one here. Right. And when, when you want to bring up integrity and legacies and all of that. And certainly we do it on the show and across sports talk radio and sports television. When, whenever we talk about the Patriots, you, you have to talk about the asterisk, double asterisks and, and different spots along the way. Don, Don Shula doesn't get a pass for this one. <laughs> and, and the Dolphins management for all the great things you can say about them. This one still becomes the, well, let's at least have a debate. Should they play regardless of weather, right? Should they, should it be incumbent upon them to, to, to put the tarp out? You know, which side are you on? It's like, you know, growing up in Chicago, I said, you know, rain, sleet, snow, fog, that's all part of Chicago Bears lore. So I just kind of shrug my shoulders and say, play on. But when the guys have the push brooms out before the game to try to get some extra water off, Mm. Uh, maybe we could have taken better oh. care of the field. So we've set the stage for you for the mud and the rain. And coming up next, we'll break it all down. And the play that will live forever in NFL history. This is special teams.
So the Jets and Dolphins were set for the 1982 AFC Championship game amidst the rain and the mud in Miami. And you knew right away this was going to be a really ugly game. Okay, first possession, Richard Todd, Jets quarterback, who I had such a love-hate relationship with because when he was on, he was great. And when he was (laughs) off, he was terrible. Uh, He throws in a double coverage. He gets picked off. All right. It's like, oh, boy, here we are starting already. Next play, Miami gives the football back. David Woodley gets picked off. This is how the game went. This was how most of the game went. Second quarter, David Woodley, quarterback of the Dolphins, had a 17-yard gain on a run. That was the longest run of the day by either team. (laughs) That's all you need to know. The teams traded turnovers in the first half. Miami could have scored near halftime, but after a block punt, Woodley got picked off again. Uh, It was just a crazy crazy day and and maybe no better footage to be seen in this game because I still remember this as much as AJ Dewey who we're going to get to is that the Jets punter was a guy named Chuck Ramsey and you've seen punters punt with their cleats on and you've seen barefooted kickers right Chuck Ramsey punted wearing a sock well, uh, you know, I guess everybody has their thing, but he was he would punt wearing a sock and to watch him walk around this field with a mud filled sock. I'm like, it's like when you were if you go out and play outside and your socks get all filled with snow and stuff and you come inside going, oh, my God, it's just flopping around on the carpet. I can't wait to get him off. This guy's punting wearing a sock. He would. Punt yeah, that's wearing the, a sock. That's the worst feeling in the world. <laughs> Wet socks. Then you're going to get you're going to get sick or you're going to get a rash or. Yeah, no, it's not good. Oh. It's bad, bad job by him. But oh. you know what? If he was comfortable with it, you know, all, all power to him. I mean, that's what it was. You watch players slip around in the first half. You watch players have trouble holding on to the football and the mud bowl. And its legend was just beginning to grow. Right. We get to the third quarter of a scoreless game. And I admit watching this game. Look, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not even a teenager yet. And I, I know this is not going to end well for the Jets. I know because they can't do anything. This is playing into the Dolphins hands who were good defensively. This was our great offense and they couldn't do anything. The Dolphins finally dent the score scoreboard in the third quarter after a couple of ridiculous things. The Dolphins have the football. Tony Nathan, good running back of the Dolphins, fumbled, but he was ruled down so the Dolphins keep the football. Then Woodley completes a pass to Duriel Harris, which, okay, they're getting close to field goal range, but then Daryl Ray, Jets defensive back, argues about the completion so much he gets a 15-yard penalty. <laughs> Argues with the ref. I'm going to give you another 15 yards to get close to the end zone. What are you doing? Why are you arguing? He argues so much, he gets a 15-yard penalty. That puts the ball on the seven-yard line. And on the next play, Woody Bennett, ex-Jet, former Jet Woody Bennett, goes in from seven yards out. Miami's up 7 nothing, And I tell you, Mike, at this point, I knew the game was over. I said, uh, we're never going to score. It's uh, They could be playing the game now. 40 years later, the Jets would still have no points. But I knew well, 7 nothing. the game was over. Well, and that was the, the thing is, as you go back and watch as much highlights as you can and go through the box score, like you're, you're not getting any long protracted drives. I mean, the numbers are anemic to say the least. When you look at, yeah, you mentioned Nathan, seven carries, 24 yards. Not like you're, you know, making any big plays, big cuts because on contact, your, your feet are coming out from under you. And you saw that on every run. It's like, all right, just secure the ball and go down. And live to see another play. And yes, yeah, seven, seven points certainly seemed insurmountable at that point. Mm, unbelievable. It's seven, nothing going to the fourth quarter, but okay. You know, maybe there's some hope. Maybe you're thinking maybe, maybe 
The Jets have not been able to hold on to the football all day. Richard Todd would wind up throwing five interceptions in this game. Okay. Woodley threw three. Todd threw five. Teams were fumbling. It was, it was crazy. The Dolphins fumbled the ball three times. It's still seven nothing. And then the play happens that again, I will be seeing in my head for the rest of my life. The Jets trying to move the football down the field and AJ Dewey, who already has two interceptions. This A.J. Dewey pick and pick six that clinches the game for the Dolphins at 14 nothing. The worst part of this play was as you see this develop, you know it's going to end awful for the Jets. Okay, it's a screen pass where he's trying to get it out to Bruce Harper. And Richard Todd just locks in on Harper where the entire Dolphins defense is crashing the line of scrimmage. And Todd, no matter what, A.J. Dewey is in his face and he still tries to throw it up in the air. A.J. Dewey leaps up, kind of deflects it, comes down with it, runs into the end zone. I see him running with the ball in his left hand, looking at his teammates going, come celebrate with me, come celebrate with me. It's 14 nothing, And then I know, really, the game is over. But even if Dewey doesn't catch it, I mean, let's say it goes over A.J. Dewey's head, which it didn't. If Dewey doesn't catch it, Ernest Roan would have, because he comes all the way in. He's right on on. Uh, Bruce Harper, the running back as well. So he's going to catch it and go in for a touchdown. This play is so bad and I can't get over how Richard Todd threw the football. I mean, this is where you look and go, oh, this is not working. I'm going to either, you know, fall down or try to run up the middle of the field and get something because this play is clearly not working. But nope, I'm going to throw the football anyway. Yeah, I've watched that from several angles. Uh, every camera angle, every opportunity, rubbing my eyes and trying to figure out exactly what the hell he saw. Uh, you saw Marvin Powell, the right tackle, 50-year guy out of USC. Uh, Dewey is pretty much just thrown him to the ground because his feet came out from under yeah. him, which is why he's wide open to to leap into the well, in, in front of Richard Todd's pass, mm-hmm. uh, you, you mentioned on the outside, uh, even if that ball doesn't get intercepted, it's still a miserable decision. I mean, there's just, there's nothing there. There's two defenders, one receiver. Oh, and AJ Dewey in between them. <laughs> so I, it's mind boggling. It's one of those things you and I text back and forth on football Sundays when there's a play like that. Uh, I believe you have referenced AJ Dewey. No, <laughs> oh, so many times, so many so, times this play. I, if we played a drinking game so between you and I, I mentioned some <laughs> bad decisions and balls picked at the line of scrimmage. Uh, wow, that would just be uh, obliteration. But just a. Uh, a horrid decision on uh, what was a series of bad decisions. And look, a couple of the, the interceptions, they're tip balls. Yeah. But unfortunately, well, it, yeah. unfortunately they count against no, you. It's not like they don't go, oh, no, the ball's tipped down over, down over, yeah. down over. No, no but, but the, the point being, right, not, not well-thrown balls, and we do this every week as well. It, like it goes on the quarterback, got to throw a better ball. The guy's open, he hits his hands. Yes, he should catch it. But you know what? Slippery wet football, mm. bad footing, trying to keep your footing, the concentration of that, not to mention you're about to get blown up because this guy has now stretched you out. All of that means the ball is coming <laughs> off your fingers and going up in the air for the waiting defensive back to come flying in. And that's what you saw in this game as well. Uh, you know, the one solace I have is that if A.J. Dewey doesn't make that play, it doesn't matter because the Jets don't score. 
So it's, you know, the game has a signature play. It's one of the biggest signature plays in NFL history. So it's got that. So it's, but the only thing I wouldn't have to see it. What else are they going to show from this game? If it's just a Richard Todd incomplete, here's the muddy field. Here's how bad the conditions were. The Dolphins win seven, nothing. And that would have been it. But I knew the Jets weren't going to score anyway. It was just one of those. It was just fruitless to why it's like running the air conditioner with the door open. All right. No matter what you do, if you're not going to get the room cooler, right? That was what the Jets did. And the Jets didn't threaten. They lose 14, nothing. The Dolphins go to the Super Bowl. And here are the numbers that are going to wow you. This is the mud bowl. Okay. The Jets had 10 first downs in the entire game. Miami had 13. Richard Todd was 15 out of 37 for 103 yards and five picks. David Woodley, Four sacks. Yeah. David Woodley, the winning quarterback, threw for 87 yards and three interceptions. That's how bad it was. I, A.J. Dewey was phenomenal. Look, this game, this is like, I, I bet he, you know, I, I would watch it every day. He lined up at six different positions. He was all over the field. Look, Miami's defense was incredible. When you put, make the field like that, of course, this is how it's going to go. The teams combined for nine turnovers and 19 punts. I mean, really, that nine turnovers in this game. You take it, you take it. Oh, but here's one time where the Dolphins are able to get down the field, and then the A.J. Dewey play happens. This was so difficult to watch. It was so difficult to see, and and look, as you mentioned, the, the you know the water being squeegeed off the field and and, and how rough it was. It, uh, I just keep going back of all the worst losses in Jets history. I go back. This is one of the top two. This are the '86 loss of the Browns. Those are really really bad losses. But this is the one I think of and go, man. I get what they say when athletes and coaches, everybody say, you know, the wins you forget about. Boy, those losses stay with you. Yeah, I, those losses yeah. stay with you forever. No, but you know, like you're mentioning stats, right? Freeman McNeil, 17 carries, 46 yards. Yeah. Augustiniak and Durking, three carries, six yards. Between them, Richard Todd scrambling for his life, four for 10. Uh, Tony Nathan, seven for 24, as you said before. Uh, Andre Franklin, 13 for 44. And then Woody Bennett, ex-Jet, 13 carries, 24 yards, and a touchdown. David Woodley was your leading rusher with eight for 46. (laughs) So, I mean, just how tough yardage was to come by footing. We talk about all the turnovers. I mean, there's just not scoring opportunities. And then to give the ball away, signature play, the game of his life for A.J. Dewey. <laughs> made, a, made a life out of it. I know. So, yes. you remember know? that play? Remember, I, I would show that all the time. Hey, remember this play I made right here? Hey, hey, is it muddy out? Is it muddy out? Speaking of mud, how about we watch this play? Hey, who wants a bowl of cereal? Bowl? Hey, you remember the mud bowl? Let's watch this play. That, that's what I would do my entire life. I think my backyard would always be a little bit wet. Oh, Anybody want to go throw the old football around? <laughs> Hey, footing's a little soft here. Uh, uh, you know, it's like it was raining, but I know it didn't rain. It's like, well, I like to keep it here because it's the uh, yeah. memories of my greatest physical triumph. <laughs> and I think I've got the screenshot that I'm going to put on a T-shirt and wear around you. He's got the backyard all lined like it's a football field. Oh, yeah. Go out and let's recreate it for a little while and let's do that. Let's say, well, right in the middle of the yard is the 40-yard line. <laughs> so the Dolphins <laughs> win the Mud Bowl. 14 to nothing in a game that just crushed young Jason Smith. But the drama for both of these teams was only just beginning following the mud bowl. We have that coming up next right here on special teams.
So with AJ Dewey, the hero, the Dolphins were on to the Super Bowl. The Jets were on to what could have been if the field was in nice, sunny shape. You know, you cover the field and everybody's running up and down and we get a football game that was so good. Uh, but the drama for both teams were just beginning. Jets head coach Walt Michaels resigned under, quote, pressure uh, two weeks after this game was over, which sounds crazy, right? The guy got to the AFC championship game, and if the field was just kept in good condition, maybe he's in the Super Bowl. But instead, <laughs> Walt Michaels resigns under pressure. Now, why? Because he didn't have big fans enough in ownership in Leon Hess. Now, if you remember me telling you the Jets beat the Bengals and the Raiders to get to the AFC championship game, well... At halftime of the Raider game, somebody called the locker room pretending to be team owner Leon Hess, telling Walt Michaels to bench Mark Gastineau, who was the Jets' best defensive lineman, right? I want you to bench Gastineau. He's not playing well. Walt Michaels hung up on him. What was this all about? After the game, he blamed Al Davis for doing it, right? So Al Davis, it turned out it was from a bar in New Jersey. And somehow somebody was able to call the Jets locker room <laughs> at halftime of a game and say, hey, listen, I'm Gaston. Hey, bench Gaston over. This is Leon Hess. Bench Gaston for the second half. Oh, uh, OK, Mr. Hess, you got it. Hey, Mark, you're sitting. Why? Uh, the owner just called. How you get through to the locker room and pretend you're the owner. I mean, I don't know. But it happened. Only the Jets. Right. I mean, that's you know crazy. After, That's unbelievable. I mean, really, you make, you make a phone call from a bar in New Jersey. Hey, hey uh, I bet all this money against the Jets, but maybe if they bench gas. Up, look, look, let me see if I can get that. Phone. How do you get the phone number of the Jets locker room? I mean, I don't understand how you get how do you get it's an inside job, man. <laughs> so Leon Hess wasn't a big fan of that story getting out. And Michael's talking about it. Also, after the game was over, Walt Michaels, all the way until his death a year ago, blamed Don Shula for not having the field in, in, in good shape. And you know what? I kind of get that because for Walt Michaels, this was his chance at the Super Bowl. This is one chance. And of course, I'm sure he thought about this game every day the rest of his life. But those things and blaming Don Shula didn't sit well with Leon Hess. So he decided I'm going to push out Walt Michaels and I'm going to hire Joe Walton, who was a Jets offensive coordinator. Now, actually, Walton was highly sought after after that offseason. He turned out to be a terrible head coach. And Walt Michaels went on to the New Jersey Generals in the USFL, and he had great records both years. So he leaves, goes to the USFL, coaches, does well. The Jets wind up with Joe Walton, who other people wanted, and I would have loved to see him with another team, but instead, that's who the Jets wind up with. This is Jets football at its finest. Fake phone Funny, calls he was to only a room. Four, yeah, but he was only four <laughs> games under 500 during his tenure. He was only four games under. That's all it was. <laughs> but that's Jets football. Fake phone calls to a locker room, firing head coaches to go to AFC championship games. Oh, I don't like being outspoken about a field that's all muddy. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Didn't you want to win the game, Leon Hess? Did you want? No, no, no. I really don't like the way you acted, so I'm getting rid of you and bringing in the offensive coordinator. That's how the Jets football team worked. Uh, yeah, now it's ne- next next level, right? <laughs> and uh, he he was the the Generals head coach, uh, who was eventually fired by uh, Donald Trump. Yeah, exactly. You're fired after the team had merged with the Houston Gamblers, and that's when Trump decided. You know, I like firing people. I like you're fired. You're fired. I wish I could get a show where I could fire people for a living and then become president. Hey, okay, that's what. Maybe that was the beginning of it. Uh, So that's where the Jets went. Now for the Dolphins, they went on to lose the Super Bowl to the Washington Redskins, the John Riggins fourth and one run that's been immortalized forever. Um, The first pass of the Super Bowl, David Woodley threw a 76-yard touchdown to Jimmy Cephalo, and that was it. 
Woodley was four out of 14 for 97 yards in the Super Bowl. On the day, the entire game, four out of 14, Miami only had 176 yards of total offense. So clearly, the Dolphins saw, all right, how far did we get with this great defense in a running game? Well, we fell victim to a team that was a little bit better on offense, still had a pretty good defense. And look, even though the Super Bowl was still close, they needed that John Riggins run to make it 27-17. Miami's offense was that play to Cephalo and Fulton Walker returning the kickoff for a touchdown, which we hadn't seen in the Super Bowl before. So here's Fulton Walker. That was the entire offense for the Miami Dolphins. So the Dolphins figured we need a quarterback. The Jets knew after that debacle by Richard Todd, (laughs) they needed a quarterback. And thus, in the 1983 NFL draft, the New York Jets decide, well, we need a quarterback here. Dan Marino's on the board. Nope, we're going to take Ken O'Brien out of Cal Davis. And of course, Dan Marino falls to the Dolphins. He has a Hall of Fame career and and everything goes where it is. But here were both teams needed quarter new coming off the AFC title game. We both have to replace our quarterbacks. They do it. And of course, the Dolphins do it the right way. And the Jets do it in a way which was OK, because Ken O'Brien was OK for a few years. But boy, just, you know, like other teams, just passing on Dan Marino. Just so interesting, though, that part of the evaluation process was the mud bowl. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In terms of deciding that uh-huh. you needed to move on. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're just going to go straight on decision making. <laughs> the execution, look, it is what it is. But your decision making and throwing the pass here and here and into a leaping A.J. Dewey means we've got to move on. And that's where we are. <laughs> yeah, but Richard Todd really was terrible. I mean, I turned the page on him. Sometimes in sports, you can uh, if something can happen so bad in a game where you play so bad, you fail. So it's really hard to come back in the locker room after that. It's really hard to come back and say, no, sure, this is still our guy. And I think that was the case with the Jets. Boy, uh, you know, Richard Todd was good, but he was, he, you know, in big games, he wasn't very good. And, and this was like, OK, how can you come back after this? Five interceptions, three to A.J. Dewey. We couldn't score. We couldn't get on the board. I mean, it's really hard. The Jets knew we did a quarterback. And the very famous class of 83 was there. The Jets just picked a guy who was okay for a few years, you know, where you miss out on the Hall of Famer and Dan Marino. And, you know, and that's the real oddity of this 83 draft is that the last two teams picking in the first round at 27 and 28 were the Dolphins and the Redskins. And who were the last two picks of the first round? Dan Marino, Hall of Famer, Daryl Green, Hall of Famer. Two of the best players at their position ever wind up going back to back the last two picks of the first round in the 83 draft. And at the moment, they were probably salty for the fact that they had gone to better teams. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm sure Dan Marino would have rather gone number one overall, but still, I think it turned out okay for him. It seems to have worked. And he got a delivery of books uh, from a friend of ours on his birthday in the year 2020. Uh, You got to listen to our show on Fox Sports Radio to really know what that's all about. Uh, But yeah, you got Ken O'Brien. There you go. All right. So how about some where are they now from this momentous game in NFL history? All right, let's start off. Bobby Jackson. Look, a lot of these guys are now hitting retirement in the last couple of years. Uh, and as you mentioned, uh, unfortunately, some passings along the way. But here's here's a few that I think you'll enjoy. Bobby Jackson retired after a long career as a regional marketing manager for Medell's Sporting Goods. Oh, oh, I thought he was assistant to the regional manager. 
Gotta oh, go okay. to Moe's. All right. See, it comes back to Moe's. Uh, <laughs> Abdul Salam, uh, he, a retired police officer. And then he was a football coach uh, in his area. Wesley Walker, PE teacher, Parkview Elementary in Kings Park, New York. Oh, he was so good, Wesley Walker. And he was blind in one eye, and he was still that good. He was he was fantastic, Wesley Walker. Yeah, he had a hell of a career. I remember uh, wanting to use him in Stratomatic football. <laughs> uh, Richard Todd. Yeah, Ready? boy. Yeah. Managing director with J.P. Morgan. Okay. Investment securities and banking. Bankers not to talk to J.P. Morgan. Got it right there. J.P. Morgan. Wow. No, I'm I'm sure he's I'm sure he's a fine banking investment manager. On the Dolphin side, I got a couple of guys that got into uh, the restaurant business. Bob 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 Baumhauer. He's got a chain of restaurants across Alabama, and Kim Bocamper. He's got a bar and grill down in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And finally, A.J. Dewey. Yeah. Uh, he works for Caesars Entertainment, lives in Fort Lauderdale. Oh, boy. Hey, AJ. AJ, yes, I'm here. Hey, you want to, you want to talk about the uh, the interception in the mud bowl? I, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready. Anything you want. I got to think there's a lot of that uh, glad handing. Want to hear us? It's kind of like a Rocky Balboa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His yeah. kid was all mad at him, but like he walks up to the tables and he's got that suit coat on. Hey, you want to hear a story? story? I'll tell you about the time I fought against, uh, what was it, Spider? uh, Spider Rico. Spider Rico, yeah. You want to hear about the Spider Rico fight? Yeah, I'll tell you about Spider Rico. Hey, AJ Curry's here. He's going to tell you about the interception. Ah, great. Thanks, AJ. Uh, (laughs) So there it is. Boy, you're not salty at all Uh, about this one. Your 1982 AFC Championship game, 1982 season in 1983. One by the Miami Dolphins. Uh, part of our weather run here on special teams coming up next week. Boy, let's see. We've done cold. We've done mud. How about some snow? How about Sweet. some snowballs? We'll have that coming up next week. I'm Jason Smith. He is Mike Harmon. You can hear our show on Fox Sports Radio Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. on the East Coast, 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. on the West Coast. You have an idea for a future special teams podcast? Hit us up on Twitter at How About a Fresca. Mike at Swollen Dome, you're listening here. Don't forget, rate us at the end. Give us five stars. We'll love you forever. If you don't give us five stars, rate us and just tell us you gave us five stars. It's fine. We'll never know. Uh, we'll talk to you next week on special teams. Special Teams is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.